0: to our Feast from the Farms. I'm Sarah Rooker, the director of Norwich Historical Society. We'll start and end our tour here at the Norwich Historical Society. There are five stops along the way. As you listen, we'll give directions to each stop. Be sure to get out of your car to explore accompanying exhibits and the farms. Do you know the old tune, Oats and Peas and Barley Grow? I chose the song. And I chose it because that's indeed what Norwich's early farmers grew. And they did indeed plant their seeds and view their land and watch the sun and clap their hands. Enjoy your day today and savor this wonderful landscape that has nourished this community for generations.
1: Hello, I'm Callie Guyan. I will be your narrator for this Farms and Barns tour. While it's easy to imagine that the history of farming begins when settlers from Connecticut arrived in Norwich, it really goes back much further to the indigenous Abenaki, who planted these lands with corn, beans, and squash, as well as pumpkins, tobacco, and Jerusalem artichoke. We know that the Abenaki managed sugar maple orchards and groves of nut trees. And we know of at least one farm in town, the Brigham Farm, where stands of maple are descended from maples once tapped by the Abenaki. We'll take you to Brigham Farm on this tour. The Abenaki grew and shared several varieties of corn, the hardy, quick-growing flint corn and the eight-row seed corn that continued to be cultivated in Norwich all the way to the 1970s. The Abenaki shared their knowledge with the earliest settlers who adopted many of their ways. Just imagine what it would have been like for those first settlers from Connecticut John Slafter was one of those first settlers. He left his home in Connecticut and journeyed to Norwich where he felled trees on his river lot. He returned in the summers year after year, clearing and preparing the land for planting. He built a rough home of logs by the river and eventually married and brought his wife from Connecticut by canoe to his small farm by the river. Those first years were challenging times but slowly the settlers established farms that would feed their families. We know that nearly every family from 1765 to the beginning of the 20th century was farming to some extent. In 1930 there were still 101 farms in town. On this tour we'll take you from the early farms along the Connecticut River to the hilly thin soiled farms of the 19th century sheep boom and back down to the 20th century dairy farms located within reach of the refrigerated cars of the railroad. As you're driving along, remember that much of the landscape you pass has changed from heavily forested land to deforested hills and back to forested land. Watch for stone walls. They tell you that the adjacent land was once cleared for crops or grazing animals, a testament to the hard work of farming. As you listen today, we'll give directions to each stop. When you hear the music, pause the podcast until you reach the next stop on your tour. Let's begin our tour. Turn
0: left out of the North Historical Society driveway and turn right onto Church Street. Follow Church Street to Route 5. Bear left to stay on Route 5. Travel one and a half miles to Butternut Lane on your left. Turn in and pull into the Honeyfield parking lot. Stop 1. The David Loveland Farm, today known as Honeyfield Farm.
1: Welcome to Honeyfield Farm. This was once the David and Eunice Loveland Farm. David Loveland was the son of Joseph, one of the first Lovelands to settle in Norwich in 1777. David Loveland built this yellow house in 1821, and he and Eunice raised a large family here, just above the river, and only about a mile from where he grew up. These early farms were small subsistence farms where crops were grown to feed the livestock and the family. The Lovelands would have kept at least one cow, probably pigs, and a pair of oxen or horses to help with the hard work of farming. They would have planted the land with wheat, corn, and oats. They would have grown beans, potatoes, squash, and more in their gardens, and harvested maple sugar from the maple groves surrounding the farm. The entire family would have worked together on this farm, outdoors and indoors, to ensure the family would be fed and clothed. The first barn on the left that you see as you drive in is known as an English barn. You'll see several more English barns on this tour. The design came from England, and these are among the oldest barns in Norwich, built in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. These barns have a simple gable roof The sides are covered with wide vertical boards, with the entrance through sliding or hinged doors on the eaves' side. There were no windows in the earliest barns, but light and air entered through the cracks between the vertical boards. If we could see inside, we would find it was divided into three sections with large bays at each end. The livestock were kept on one end, and their food was in the haymow on the other end. Separating the bays was a wooden threshing floor lined up with the hinged doors on the front and back sides. The wagons could drive straight through the building after unloading grain and hay. The grains the Loveland family grew needed to be threshed, which means separating the kernel from the husk by striking it with a flail. And there needed to be enough room to swing the flail inside. If you look around, you can see the wide open fields surrounding the house where wheat probably grew. But, as we said, the history of farming in Norwich was one of change, and evidence of change is just beyond the greenhouses. There sits a ground-level stable barn built about a 100 years later in 1927 to house dairy cows and their feed in the hayloft above. We'll learn more about these changes as we continue on our tour. Enjoy a walk around the fields, stroll through the greenhouses and visit the farm stand before you go. Valerie and Eli have made a commitment to growing food with sustainable organic practices and their greenhouses are filled with annual and perennial flower and vegetable starts. Turn left onto Route 5 and
0: travel north 2.5 miles. Turn left onto Route 132. Follow Route 132 for about two miles and stay right at a fork you'll see Sweetland Farm ahead. Pull into the farm store parking lot. Stop 2. The
1: Cloud Clark Farm, today known as Sweetland Farm. The Cloud family farmed this land for much of the 19th century. By 1860, They had 80 acres of land, 20 of it forested, and they made profitable use of all of it with nine children able to help. With the arrival of the railroad in the 1850s, a new era had begun and the Cloud family was able to take advantage of it. Rail transportation allowed the sale of milk products like cheese and butter, but without refrigeration, milk could not be transported for long distances. That would have to wait. In 1860, the Cloud's six milk cows produced enough cream for the women and children to churn into 600 pounds of butter, which they sold at city markets. And their sugar bush produced 605 pounds of maple sugar that year. Early photos show their high-drive bank barn attached to a round barn. The livestock was housed on the first story of the barn, and their feed was stored above in a hayloft. Silage was stored in a silo, which was also attached to the round barn. The Clouds Barn held two thousand five hundred pounds of loose hay. They needed a very large hay mow. The Clark family took over the farm in nineteen forty two. Their home stood where the Sweetland farm stand is now. More change had come. Transport by train to market had been available for a while. But the invention of refrigerated train cars allowed dairy farming to become a profitable enterprise as Norwich farmers could now ship milk and their other dairy products to markets as far away as Boston. The landscape we see today and think of as a typically agricultural one in Vermont and New Hampshire is a 20th century dairy farming landscape. It looks very different from the landscape sheep once grazed upon. Cows are not good mountain climbers and prefer a flat or gently rolling pasture. The dairy barn that you see today, a gambrel-roofed, ground-level, stable barn, was moved to this location by the Clark family after the original round barn complex had fallen into disrepair. This barn was originally part of a large farm along the Ampampanusik that had been seized when the Army Corps of Engineers took over acres of land in preparation for building the Union Village Dam. It was three times the size of the barn you see today and had a third story where they raised pigs. It once held as many as 100 cows and 13,000 bales of hay. Its design came about in 1910 when government health regulations associated with the dairy industry forced changes in barn design. These ground-level barns had washable concrete floors. Cattle were housed at ground level in steel pipe stanchions. The gambrel roof allows for a large hayloft. Ventilators once topped the roof, providing fresh air. The barn was totally restored in the early 2000s and continued to store baled or round bale hay and to serve as storage space for both conventional and horse-drawn haying equipment. Today, Sweetland is a diversified family farm raising animals on free-range pastures and growing a wide variety of vegetables using sustainable practices. Sweetland's mission is to feed our community and our soil and to be stewards of this beautiful farmland. Enjoy your visit! Up into the hills we go to Hillside Farm.
0: Turn right out of Sweetland Farm driveway and travel 0.2 miles to Kerwin Hill Road. Follow this road one mile until you meet Petrel Road. Go left and follow along for 0.3 miles, noticing the exceptional views to the east. There will be signs showing you where to park in a field on your right. Stop 3. The
1: Pennock Barstow Farm, known as Hillside Farm. This land was farmed by three generations of the Pennock family during most of the 19th century. The hilly landscape you see around you was ideal for raising sheep. And, with the introduction of the Merino breed in the early 19th century, sheep farming became profitable for the Pennocks and many other Norwich families. Merino sheep were considered to be desirable due to their high-quality fleece which produced a much softer wool The sheep were shorn once a year, and their fleeces sold at market. In the 1840s, there were over 13,000 sheep grazing the hills of Norwich, and by 1850, nearly every farmer in Norwich kept an average of about 55 sheep. Just imagine sheep dotting every hillside, and the hard work it took for women and children to clean, card, and spin all that wool. The Pennocks had 30 sheep and sold 100 pounds of wool in 1860. But sheep farming was hard on the land. On the hill farms, as pastures were overgrazed by the sheep, the turf began to thin out, laying the soil open to the air, encouraging weed growth. Eventually, the soil gave out and couldn't produce enough grass forage. By the end of the 19th century, Henry Pennock had turned from sheep farming to maple syrup production as his main source of income. When he died, the inventory of his farm included 12 beehives, 250 tin sap buckets, and 125 wooden sap buckets. The inventory also reveals that he did a lot of haying and had a small orchard. You can still see some of those apple trees today, and you're standing in one of their hayfields. Clinton Barstow took over the 80-acre farm in 1916. He had a pair of 1,100 horses. That means, quote, 1,100 pounds of raw muscle, power, and grace. The animals worked hard, especially during the haying and sugaring seasons. After 10 years, he bought a pair of oxen. The oxen could more easily manage the hauling of heavy loads of sap in the deep snow. Maple syrup had become the farm's most important cash crop, and Clinton tapped around 325 trees. Evangeline would keep the sap boiling while Clinton gathered. In the archives of the Historical Society are dozens of letters thanking Clinton's wife, Evangeline, for their real thing, maple syrup and maple sugar. Throughout the 1920s, the Barstows produced maple syrup and sold it to individuals through family connections far and wide. The Barstows also kept 17 small Hereford cows, which were well suited for grazing. There was no running water or electricity at the farm. A lack of refrigeration meant that the milk needed to be churned to butter, rather than sold as milk. Unfortunately, letters at the Historical Society suggest that Evangeline's butter was not well received. Either, or because it smelled, quote, as strong as cheese, it lost its marketability. But times were changing. The Great Depression came in the 1930s, and market prices dropped dramatically. The 1938 hurricane destroyed half the maple trees on the farm. Then came World War II. Clinton was in his mid-70s and farming alone. The farm was not sizable enough for his son Henry to receive a draft deferment. So, Henry went to work on a larger farm. He was never to return home to live full-time. Their son Henry wrote, I have enjoyed many good days. I liked to work on the farm. I do not mean the modern ways. I saw the last of the old days before there was so much motorization. There was quite a bit of machinery then, but its use was very limited. Horses were used, and corn and hay were much more handwork. As Clinton and Evangeline aged, it became ever harder to manage the farm. Imagine Evangeline managing the cooking preservation of food, laundry, cleaning, and butter-making with only a wood stove and a gravity-fed well. Towards the end of her life, the farm was sold to the Lacey family, who continued the tradition of sugaring for many years. Today, Norwich's landscape reflects the challenges of hillside farming. As hill farming became unprofitable, the forest returned. Think of the stone walls you come across in the woods and along the back roads of Norwich. They tell this story. Hillside Farm, however, was not abandoned, and the open landscape is testament to the custodians of this farmland today.
0: Continue following Patrell Road to its end at the junction of Union Village Road. Please drive slowly and watch for oncoming cars. At the junction, look across Union Village Road, and you will see the Old Slafter Farm with its yellow house across from you. Pull across and follow signs to park near the Hogwash Farm stand. Stop 4. The John Slaughter Farm, known as Hogwash Farm.
1: We're jumping back in time again to the earliest days of farming. The first farms in Norwich were close to the Connecticut River, but steadily, after the Revolution, farmers moved to higher land as they discovered that the riverside fields were often too moist to cultivate. Inland, the air was drier and healthier than in the river valley, and frost arrived later. Like many of Norwich's early settlers, John Slaughter also found the lowlands by the river too wet for cultivation, and in 1786 he moved to his higher range of land here, about two miles away from the river. As with other early farms of the time, Slaughter, his wife Elizabeth, and their five surviving children raised a variety of crops including wheat, corn, beans, and potatoes, and kept livestock such as pigs, cattle, and sheep. There was little left to sell. The most level land was the easiest to clear, till, and mow for crops, and the land with more slope and or rocks was suitable for grazing animals like the sheep and cows. Deep forests surrounded the farm and provided lumber and maple groves for sugaring. However, John Slaughter complained that with the many wolves and mountain lions that roamed the forests at that time, his sheep often, quote, became the prey of wild beasts. The state of Vermont offered a bounty of eight pounds for the destruction of a wolf or mountain lion. So John Slaughter constructed animal traps by digging holes that were impossible for a predator to climb out of. He placed a lamb near the hole to serve as bait. The fine example of an English barn you see here was built by John Slaughter in 1798. It was used to house animals, feed, and hay, and had room for threshing. Notice the wide barn doors on the eave side of the barn. You saw one like this at Loveland's farm. Today, Hogwash Farm is family-run and raises Jacob sheep, heritage-breed pigs, and Freedom Ranger chickens on healthy pastures. You might also catch sight of a flock of chickens running free in the farmyard. Be sure to stop in the farm stand and check out the offerings. Follow Union Village Road back toward the village of Norwich.
0: Turn right onto Turnpike Road for about a mile, then turn left on Tilden Hill Road. Follow that steep grade up to the Brigham Hill Farm. Follow signs for parking. Stop
1: 5. The Brigham Hill Farm Neighborhood we come to our last stop. This cluster of homes at the intersection of Brigham Hill and Tilden Hill roads once all belonged to the Brigham family. The yellow two-story house to your right once belonged to Paul Brigham. The other two Cape style houses were built by his sons in 1801 and 1805. Captain Paul Brigham, a Revolutionary War soldier, came to Norwich in 1782 bringing his wife Lydia and family with him. He served 22 terms as Vermont's lieutenant governor. Brigham initially purchased 100 acres of partially cleared land for 300 pounds. By 1805, he and his sons had created three distinct hilltop farms with acres of pasture land and forest. There was a maple grove, originally tended by the Abenaki families with whom the Brigham family had a very close relationship. In fact, An Abenaki extended family used to visit and stay with the Brighams each year up until the farms changed hands in the 1930s. Do you see the similarity in landscape to Hillside Farm? This was sheep country with very little level ground, but perfect for grazing sheep and a few cows. In 1850, it's recorded that William, son of Paul Brigham, kept seven cows and produced 600 pounds of butter and 400 pounds of cheese there were one hundred sheep providing three hundred pounds of wool. The farm had grown from a subsistence farm into several farms producing surplus goods to be traded at the general store. The storekeeper then shipped the butter, cheese, and wool to be sold in distant markets. The maple grove produced hundreds of pounds of maple sugar and the Brighams kept twelve swarms of bees at one point, so honey was being produced as well. By the middle of the nineteenth century, the family property deed lists several pastures, mowings, plow fields, gardens, woodlots, sugar lots, and orchard lots with a cider mill and sugar houses. The Brigham family farmed this land for five generations until 1933. Take a look at the two barns. Can you tell which was built first? The traditional English bank barn on the downhill side of the junction was built first. The Brighams built the barn into the side of the hill to allow for two stories so that they could easily shovel manure through trap doors to be stored in the protected cellar area. The high-drive bank barn that sits on the other side of the road was built later. This barn housed livestock on the main floor. Hay was stored in the upper loft area, where it could be easily tossed down to the animals. Here's something to consider. In 1930, there were 101 farms in Norwich. In 1974, there were only seven farms in town. In 1986, there were four farms in Norwich. Today, while only a handful of people make a living by farming, the farms that remain exemplify the diversity of enterprise that has been a part of our landscape all along. Our commercial farms raise organic vegetables and meat, while families throughout town raise chickens and sell eggs. Other families enjoy horses, bees, Or maple sugaring, and many keep land open for hay. Scores grow their own vegetables. Norwich's landscape has nourished humans for thousands of years. It continues to nourish our community today, and with our continued stewardship of the land, it will nourish our community far into the future. We hope you enjoyed your tour. You can find photographs
0: and Norwich history at the Historical Society website, as well as links to more podcast driving tours and walking tours. It's time to go home and enjoy your feast. Continue down Brigham Hill to the end and turn left onto Beaver Meadow Road. Follow Beaver Meadow Road toward Norwich Village. Turn right at the stop sign and follow Main Street to the Norwich Historical Society to end your tour back where you began.